Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. I'm your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories and give you a behind-the-scenes look at the life of a technology reporter. We'll learn about the person behind the byline and get their thoughts on the top trending stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. Hey everyone, this is Christine Blake and welcome to Inside the Media Minds. On today's show, we are talking to Famita Rashid, the Senior Managing Editor for Decipher. Famita, we're so excited to have you on the show today and look forward to get to know more about you. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. Absolutely. So I want to get into um, a little bit about you and then Decipher. I know you've been at a number of publications and you've been a journalist for many years. Um, Talk to us a little bit about your role now and what Decipher is. Okay. Um, as you mentioned, um, I'm currently the senior managing editor of Decipher. We are brand new. Um, I just realized that we are almost to nine months, which is really exciting. Just because I feel like we've been around much longer. But uh, yeah, I was I was wondering that. I thought it was almost a year, so that's about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're getting there. I'm sure we're going to have a big birthday party, but oh. not, not, not 2019. <laughs> so, um, but Decipher is essentially trying to go back to the old long form magazine style of writing where we look for narrative, we look for longer stories, and the idea is to kind of move away from the day-to-day XYZ of security news, but really to just dig in and say, why is this relevant, why should I care, and what we're looking for. So we're very lucky that Duo Security kind of shared that vision that um, Dennis Fisher, who is the editor-in-chief, and I had for Decipher. So Duo Security, now Cisco, is... Um, mm-hmm basically launching a platform and said, all right, you do what you need to do, let us know what we need. So it's a great relationship, and it's given us at Decipher a really great opportunity to look for stories that just may not be quite written in that narrative style anymore. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about finding and identifying the stories that are more longer, you know, longer form? A lot of it is coming out of just conversations. I mean, a lot of the times you look at the daily news, you know, no more security in and out, and we say, hey, wait a minute, why would someone tomorrow care about what we're talking about today? Why would someone next week care about it? And we try really hard to put ourselves in the mindset of the people in the enterprise IT, enterprise security team, as well as just the business users who are saying that, okay, yeah, you know, you're telling me this is big news today. Mm-hmm. It's still going to be big news next week. What should I do about it? And that's the question we keep asking whenever we mm-hmm. look at anything and say, how can we answer that question? So that's actually been our way of defining is this a decipher story or not story? Like, How do we make sure that it's not just in my ear today, out my ear tomorrow, but no, this is something I can keep working on ongoing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's definitely a unique approach. We see, you know, daily breaches, you know, we see this breaking news types of security stories, like the breach of the day type of thing. And while that's fine, it's not really um, as informative as maybe that longer form look at what, why should I care about this and what should I do to solve this problem? Yeah, I mean, I think there's also a bit um, sometimes that when we look at security that we kind of fall into that trap of, well, there's no silver bullet, therefore there is nothing we can do. 
And mm-hmm. we try to move away from that pessimism that, no, mm. yes, there is no silver bullet. Yes, it requires a lot of incremental and small steps, and there's never an end. It's always an evolving. But there are positive steps that we can do. There are ways to improve, and we try to really emphasize that as well. I like that. That's really cool. How have the last um, nine months been? Like, what has been the audience's impression of what you guys are trying to do at Decipher? It's been really positive. I think um, we started doing some stories where we focus on the people, where we focus on sort of how did we get here types of story, then that that could be a profile, that could be a more uh, summary style of, all right, you know, all these things that we're talking about right now, well, here's the historical context, and people have really responded well to that. And I think a lot of it is because a lot of institutional memory is lost. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to just say, yeah, you can find everything on Google, but if you don't know what to search for, you don't know what happened before <laughs> So um, whenever we kind of go back and do those retrospectives, you know, at at our launch, Dennis did a whole thing on Loft. Um, We've done pieces since then, just trying to contextualize, like, okay, this is what people are doing, this is what bug bounties are, this is what scanning Mm -hmm. are, and those are the ones that's always done really well for us. Oh, cool. So, I mean, the idea is... um, if somebody's coming into security in the last two, three years, they know a lot. They're definitely really, really talented, but they might not know where the industry was 10 years ago, and I think that's relevant. So mm-hmm. we are trying to sort of make sure that historic information is still there. Okay. Um, so, you know, that being said, I know that you've had experience covering the technology and security industry for quite a few years. What, you know, really attracts you at this point? Like, what is your primary interest? Like, what are the stories that really get you excited? For me, security um, has always been a people story. It's, you know, we talk about new technology, we talk about new processes, but for me, security has always been about the people, how it affects people, what people are doing. So whenever I see a way to really bring it back to that person, that's always when I start saying, aha, this is why I got into journalism. Mm-hmm. So when you start, so any kind of stories where we're kind of telling it from the perspective of somebody doing something or how a specific incident tech or whatever is impacting that person slash team slash organization, those are these stories that get me really excited. I think in the last few years, um, the best of those kind of stories have been in application security because everyone's using software, so you suddenly see so many ways to tie how the software is impacting people's lives and kind of intertwining the security um, angle. So that's, I kind of keep gravitating to those kind of stories. Oh, okay. Good to know. It helps also that I think application security, in a way, the very underserved area of security coverage. Mm-hmm. Not everybody talks, everyone talks about security in terms of software and bugs, but then you don't really talk about all the other things that's happening in AppSec. Yeah, and I think application security is relevant to pretty much everybody, whether they know it or not. So exactly. I could see how that's something that potentially is overlooked at some time. Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of volunteering, like mentoring for uh, students, 
And a lot of times they're just like, oh, security, okay, so it's hacking and, you know, mm-hmm. networking stuff. And I was like, well, take out your phone. How many apps do you have? And we just start talking. <laughs> and then it becomes real. It becomes relevant. And I'm saying, yeah, you know, we trust our entire lives to all software. Don't you think we should be thinking about it a little bit more strategically? And people get it once you kind of really make it relevant to what's in their pockets, what's in their cars. Yeah. Uh, I know, especially with everyone, um, you know, getting, you know, the the um, smartwatches and having the car connectivity. It's like really p- prevalent. Is there so you know, kind of digging into that a little bit more? Do you do you think that um, you know people just aren't as aware and they just want to keep up with the times, or do you think like what is your perspective on that? I mean, I think a lot of it we just don't realize. I mean, about a month ago, my in my house, the hot water heater went. It just stopped. We had no no. hot water. And I didn't realize until about two weeks in when the plumber was trying to fix it that we have a computer inside my hot water boiler. Really? (laughs) Yeah, that's what what the problem was. He had to get a new car and replace the computer. And I'm sitting here thinking, I just want to take a shower, and I'm depending on computers for this? So even me, so immersed, so looking at cutting-edge stuff, I don't even realize it. So I'm not expecting anybody else, no matter how much they are immersed in it, to know every aspect of what's being controlled by computers nowadays. It's just so, I guess, normal that we Mm -hmm. don't see it anymore. Yeah, I think that's a really... I think that's a really good point that you make. Like people just are unaware that how ingrained it is to our everyday life and society. Yeah, I mean, now that I'm every day I'm showering, I'm thinking, wow, okay, <laughs> I gotta appreciate computers more now. Let's <laughs> hope that computer doesn't go out. <laughs> that's funny. Oh my gosh, so that's that's interesting. That application security is really one of your favorite topics to cover. That's that's a good thing to know. Um, and then, you know, I know you've written for a wide range of different publications, you know, most recently InfoWorld and CSO and, um, you know, some of the IDG publications, like how, you know, what, what are some things that you've learned? Um, and I, I should ask, how many years exactly have you been reporting on this topic? Um, I started writing about technology in 2005, so that would be 13 okay. years. And then okay. I started specializing in security um, 2010. Okay. So, I mean, I I did security as part of, like, the bigger tech beat, but uh, around 2010 or so, I kind of said, you know what, I'm not writing anything if it's not security. So that's when I mm-hmm. basically specialized. So, I mean, I'm just doing the math right now, and I'm saying, wow, I've been around. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no clue. It goes by really fast. And I'm sure so much has changed in the past, you know, eight years covering the security industry. What are some, you know, kind of takeaways or things that you've learned in the past eight years? Um, one thing, and you're right, I learned a lot. I sometimes go back to my old stories and I shake myself, myself (laughs) saying, you know, how could you write this? And one I think is just the awareness now of how, oh yeah, patch everything. It's so nuanced, so hard, and it's not because of negligence or because they don't care. I mean, I sometimes look at some of my older stories, and it says, oh, companies aren't patching because they don't care. And I'm saying, no, that's not that right. You know, how <laughs> did you do that? Like, you contributed to the problem. So <laughs> I think it's more of an awareness. Um, I think security as an industry is more empathetic, understanding that 
people do care, but security is hard, and we don't make it easy. Mm-hmm. So that awareness, I think, is new and welcome. Um, but also, I think back when I started, security was treated very much as a silo. It mm-hmm. was just security. And now there's a more of an awareness that you can't just be a security person. You have to be a security and something else person Mm -hmm. if you're going to be effective, if you're going to be actually making a difference. And again, that intersection is new and it's way overdue. Mm -hmm. And how do you think that, you know, the public's perception of security has evolved in the past eight years? I know we've seen a lot of major major um, headlines and breaches in the, in the past eight years, um, even, you know, recently, Marriott and Equifax last year. So, you know, how do you think the public's perception has changed? I'm not sure it has. I think there's still that perception that, oh, yeah, you know, the people who are doing this are bored 20-something-year-olds in their mm-hmm. parents' basement and have no lives. <laughs> I think that image is still really prevalent. Um, a lot of times I'm talking with people, and when they hear that I write about InfoSec, they say, oh, yeah, you know, those are just jerks. They just need to get up and get their job. And I have to take a step back and say, hey, do you realize how lucrative this mm-hmm. is? Like, this is not necessarily organized crime, but these are people who treat this as their job. They get up at 9 in the morning. They do this stuff. They punch out at 5. They give them a good living, not a, not a legal living, but right. this is for a lot of people a career. So just kind of relegating it to this, oh, yeah, they're just losers. We really miss it. We really mm-hmm. miss the seriousness of the issue. And I don't think that perception has changed that much. Yeah. I think, um, you know, when I remember when a lot of the, um, you know, WannaCry and, and the ransomware attacks, you know, they obviously still are happening, but when they kind of first came to the forefront a couple of years ago, and I remember it being on, you know, the local news channel and even, you know, like my in-law and pe- people are like, oh, what, it became a household name. And it's like, yeah, people are actually, you know, making money from these style attacks. And when you bring it to crypto mining and that those type of attacks is absolutely very lucrative. And I think it's important for people to understand, you know, the amount of damage and um, financial um, repercussions that come from it. It's a little weird because the perception is actually two extremes. It's one, oh yeah, you know, a bunch of kids doing this because they have nothing better to do. And mm-hmm. oh my goodness, these super geniuses in nation states sitting in bunkers yeah. and they have a huge target on the US of A. And I'm sitting here thinking, <laughs> uh, you know, let's go for somewhere in the middle here. <laughs> I know, yeah. You have that the hacker in a hoodie look and then you have like the cyber war, you know, nation states. It's kind of two different ends of the spectrum. It's kind of funny. Exactly. That was actually one of the things we um, said when we launched Decipher, that we will never have a hoodie uh, person <laughs> on the site. Stock like, you know, we're going to break that cliche. We're not using it. And it's funny, I always see reporters on Twitter um, you know, kind of you know, picking fun at the stock image of, of that look, and it's just, it's just funny. Yeah. It's, become, uh, it's become a staple. <laughs> um, so I want to get into a little bit about what was one of your – you know, looking back the past nine months at Decipher, what was one of the favorite stories that you wrote? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's easy to say all of them. But <laughs> yeah. um, some of them 
I think, are the ones that go for um, what we were saying earlier about intersection. Uh-huh. Um, so one of the early stories I did with uh, the CSO of LinkedIn, where he uh-huh. was talking about creating personas of what kind of people you need to create a good security team. So the entire idea of persona, that's like psychology, it's organizational psychology, it's a little bit of HR skills, and you're using those um, ideas that, okay, you have a person who is very much focused on collaboration, well, you want that person on your team, so what, what would be the ideal personality to kind of balance out that so that you don't end up with suddenly a team of everyone alpha and then everyone's got egos and don't want to work together. Mm-hmm. So just kind of going through the idea of what makes a rock star team mm-hmm. was and a you really have a, fun story. You have a background in psychology, right? I do. Yeah, so I, I was, I was thinking actually about that. one reason when I saw that story. I said, ooh, 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 I can use like, my <laughs> academic knowledge on this. <laughs> That's cool. That's interesting. I, yeah, I bet that was fun. But, I mean, I really enjoyed doing that. And similarly, there was another piece I did right after that, kind of talking about using that idea of profiles on organizations. So if you are doing a, um evaluation that, okay, I'm going to work with this third-party contractor, instead of just kind of doing checklists of, okay, what are the five things you have, check, 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 okay, mm-hmm. we're going to now work, you look at their culture and you put you figure out what kind of an organization they are culture-wise and profile-wise. So if you are this kind of a company, you wouldn't want to work with someone who's very relaxed, very laid back, like, you know, that might just not work. You just spend the entire time freaking out, like, wait, do they know what they're doing? <laughs> yeah. So again, the entire idea of a culture fit in terms of third-party contract um, negotiations was another one that I said, wow, no one is talking about this, but Mm -hmm. I'm so glad someone actually is raising these topics. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, those sort of ones that just popped up immediately, but there's always any kind of stories where I got the opportunity to dig into a different academic subject and tie that with security has been by far my favorite Decipher story, and that's actually mm-hmm. another thing that I think sets us apart at Decipher, that we are able to have that flexibility. I mean, I've had great editors at other publications. I'm not sure any of these stories would have ever flown there. Yeah. That's really cool that you get so much, um, you know, kind of liberty and writing about what you think is truly important and what you care about when it comes to the intersection of, um, you know, security and other areas. I think that's um, a really great opportunity, and I think it's really important in the industry and the media landscape right now, too. Definitely. And I think um, people get that, especially on the CSO and the board level, because we're emphasizing that, hey, we don't want just the tech experts in these leadership levels. We need people who are understanding how the business operates. And that's something that we tend to talk about in terms of communication skills, But I think when you have an economics background, when you have a background in HR, you actually become a better security person specifically because you're looking at it a different way. I mean, that's what security started out with, right? Looking at something a different way, trying to make it do what it's not supposed to do. So it seems a little strange that we don't 
encourage that kind of mindset of take someone who's not just pure security and have them look at security. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, definitely. And then I know we're getting towards um, the end of the year and the lovely time of security <laughs> prediction. <laughs> um, so I'm just curious, you know, given your um, you know, your experience and things that you're looking into, what do you think are some of the things that we'll be seeing more of in 2019? Um, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of movement on the policy level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the last two, three years, I just feel like, wow, okay, we're seeing more data breaches, we're seeing more data breaches. But yeah. this year really felt like it was almost every day. I kind of was joking around a few days ago saying, you know, we talk about how many um, shootings there were in the United States and there had been one every single day. Can we do one of the of security data breaches? Because I'm almost positive there's been one every day this year. And, yeah, I think so. I think so. And because of that, I just feel like I don't know how much will actually get passed legally in terms of laws. But I think there's going to be more hearing, there's going to be more discussion, there's going to be more threats of regulation, lawsuits. Like, I think we're just going to see more and more oversight and regulation discussion, whether or not it's going to go in the right path or whether or not it's going to be effective. I can't Mm -hmm. tell right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see almost every day, sort of a repercussion of, okay, this is what happened last year, and we're still recovering, so what are we going to do about it? And I just feel like there's got to be sort of a consequence for the fact Mm -hmm. that we've just had this terrible, terrible 2018. I know. Yeah, I was going to ask you, too, if you think that that oversight and those policy discussions are going to help or are going to at least change the course of the security industry, but I guess it is hard to say, you know, kind of, reflecting back on 2018 and how brutal it was, if it really is going to make a difference? I just, I don't think that we're going to see much actually happen in 2019. I think it's going to be all conversation mm-hmm. because um, just watching the little bit of the policy discussion this year, there's a lot the regulators and the policymakers still don't understand and they conflate a lot. So, You know, like we talk about the Russian interference. Well, that's disinformation and actual hacking, and there's like five different types, and people just sort of treat it as one thing. So I think we're going to be seeing 2019 as sort of a time where we're going to have better definition, better clarity. We're going to see a lot more segmentation of, okay, you know, we're talking about this, we need movement on this. And there's just going to be more of those hyper-focused groundwork. Mm Mm-hmm. And then maybe by 2020, we'll actually start seeing things being passed. But 2019, I think the critical year is going to be a building year. Yeah, it's almost like that transitional transitional building year. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be really interesting just watching all the new folks that came into Congress this year who are a little bit more tech-savvy, a little bit Mm -hmm. more aware. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more conversation coming from there as well. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. Um, and then before we wrap up, I just want to get your take on um, a uh, popular question. It's, it's um, what advice would you give to a PR professional who wants to pitch you or decipher um, a story idea? Um, 
understanding that you're looking for more of those longer lead, um, you know, intersection between security and technology type of stories. It's not your conventional, here's comments on the latest breach, right? Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, even with those, if it's a, you know, here's the comment on the latest breach, you know, give it to me in perspective of what do you anticipate, not from a security perspective, but, hey, what do you think the auditors and the governance folks are going to be saying? Like, if you even, like, going back to my point about the people, if we go back and you give me a comment that's relevant to a specific group within the organization, that would be an actually a way I can take the news of the day and give Mm -hmm. it the decipher angle. Um, If it's a software uh, breach, you know, come back and tell me, okay, what do you think the kind of um, investment that's going to be required to fix it from a software perspective? What are we looking at? So even just kind of looking at it from the perspective of someone who's like, okay, now i got to figure out what my new WAF is going to have to use in order to create, like, any of those where it's not just a typical, this is why the breach yeah. happened, but this mm-hmm. is what the organization is going to now have to do. Like, those would be great comments. Um, but in terms of pitching, it really is try to remember that security isn't just talking to security anymore. So any kind of um, stories where we're talking about how organizations are dealing with not just specific issues of the day, but maybe even like how they're doing transformation. You know, digital transformation is the big tech buzzword. And mm-hmm. I don't think we talk about the security transformation. Um, mm-hmm. The Equifact report for me that came out um, yesterday was really, really eye-opening in that the panel called out the fact that the company made the decision that they needed to grow, and that was at the expense of security. And I'm looking at it, and I'm saying pretty much every enterprise probably makes that decision, and pretty yeah. much every board supports that decision that, no, we need to grow. We need to be able to do this. We need to be able to do that. So, again, we don't talk about how security aligns with digital transformation. So I think... We don't even have to go into other academic subjects by looking at the broader tech trends yeah. and telling me what the security angle is. That would be some great story that I'd love to work on. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting story. It's like, you know, how enterprise, like why enterprises are choosing the growth before security. They're not prioritizing security. And I think we are hearing the digital transformation buzzword constantly. Mm-hmm. So it's how does that align with the security transformation? I think that's a really great story. I'll, I'll look forward to reading that, Samita. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody ever pitches me that story, I'll definitely work on it. All right. I got you. <laughs> um, that's awesome. And then uh, just, you know, last question for you is, you mentioned that you do some, you know, volunteering, and I'm, I know you have, um, you know, a family and some other things, you know, going on in your life. What's something interesting that most people wouldn't know about you? Um, people don't know about me. Um, I'm an adrenaline junkie. Oh, really? I had no idea. Yeah, I love scuba diving, skydiving. Um, I have a motorcycle license, so I like to get on a motorcycle and just go. Like anything that's just really a little dangerous is something I enjoy. And considering I'm a little small, people don't (laughs) really know how to match that up. (laughs) They wouldn't expect that, so that's a good answer. (laughs) 
That's funny. And then another uh, million dollar question. I know we're coming up, you know, RSA planning is happening currently with a lot of security companies. Are you going to be there? Yes, I will be. You will be. Cool. Well, hopefully we'll see you out there then. Hopefully. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I was actually surprised because I hadn't even had it on my radar. And then I think this week suddenly somebody else pinged me and said, are you going? And I'm saying, mm-hmm. all right, I should start. Here we go. <laughs> so, yep, it all starts. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Samina, it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I always love talking to you, and it's been really fun to hear um, more about you and kind of your coverage areas and what the cipher looks at. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So for everybody listening, please stay tuned for updates on our next episode and follow us on Twitter at Media Mind Show. Thanks. Have a great day. <laughs>